Well, good morning. This morning, we want to talk about signs of the time. This is part of financial management part two, uh, key principles of financial management. And we have been discussing these topics for a number of months now. We want to continue with that discussion. This is session 10 out of 12 in the training. The starting point for thinking about signs of the time for me really goes back to the 1930s. Now, I know it goes back longer than that, but this is probably the most recent seminal event is in the 1930s, the world made a decision. The decision was to convert over to Keynesian economics. Keynesian economics is based on atheism. Prior to this, the world largely had embraced economic systems that had some connection with Christianity, some, some far more profound than atheism. Now, atheism, to be sure, would have no traction at all if it didn't steal some truth from Christianity, but it steals as little as it can just to get by. But the other systems tend to be more based on biblical thinking, but Keynesian economics is a radical departure from that. And you can see in this cartoon from 1934 that even the people back then recognized some of the dangers of this. They recognized this was not going to put them on a good road. Spin, spin, spin under the guise of recovery was going to be bust. And that indeed is what we're living out. So now today, downstream of that, almost 100 years, 80 years anyway, where we are as a culture, uh, we don't seem to have any problem with debt. In fact, we would call debt our friend. Uh, debt at leverage is good. You leverage to try to maximize and things of that nature. Uh, that's the deception of all of this. We think in some way or another, borrowing money is going to make us wealthy. Well, Joshua 1.8 reminds us of how God's system of economics works. It said, this book of instruction, which is scripture, must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it for then you will prosper. You see, it's alignment with the principles of the word of God that facilitate prosperity. Can we see that? Can we recognize that? That's really tough today because we're living in a culture today that largely is disconnecting from scripture and any kind of scriptural guidance. And so when we do that, we have no longer have a moral compass. We no longer can define right and wrong well. We wind up confused and we wind up trying to be self-guided. We live as humanists. So Judges 21, 25 gives us a picture of how we're living today. And it says everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That is the big deal. Human autonomy, which is the core virtue of humanism, and you understand uh, it's a virtue not in a, a biblical sense. It's a virtue only to a humanist. Human autonomy is the rule. Everything is about maximizing human choice instead of recognizing that the real virtue is not human choice. It's alignment with the truth of the word of God, being regulated by the word of God, submitted to the will and ways of God. That's the best choice. When we choose to disconnect from the Father and disconnect from his revelation and presume that we can define everything and we want to do our will according to our ways, we're on the road to disaster.
Some people call what we're going through today progressive, but that is a misnomer. There's nothing progressive about disconnecting from Christ. Nothing progressive about disconnecting from the Word of God. Nothing progressive about disconnecting from biblical norms. We are regressing, and we're moving toward judgment. And one of the ways we can see this is by looking at the Tentler cycle. Uh, the Tentler cycle was developed in the, 19, uh, the 18th century uh, by a, a Scottish man who was a, a Christian man, and he was looking at the history of civilizations and how they progressed. And he developed uh, an observation that led to a theory. Uh, it's a nine-step theory. It basically says civilizations uh, began uh, always in bondage, that then uh, there's some in the, in the civilization have a conviction of the truth, and as they begin to show faith in that, and the courage, they begin to move into liberty. And as they move into liberty, which just means people are self-governed under God, that's what liberty is. Liberty is not autonomy. Liberty is self-governance under God. So we have to be clear on that. As that happens, then you get the reality of that verse in Joshua 1.8. You begin to prosper in every way spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially, you prosper. And so there's an abundance that begins to happen. So once that abundance comes, most of us don't have the stewardship skills to manage it. And so we mismanage it and we become selfish. And as we become selfish, we become complacent because everything is so easy and comfortable and convenient. And as you become complacent, that will eventually lead to apathy. Apathy is where you don't care. You don't take responsibility for anything. And finally, that will lead to dependency. When you hit independency, you're just a small step from bondage again. So you can see it's a cycle. It's, it's, a, it's a cycle that we go through. All right, so continuing on here. Colson, in his assessment of this cycle and where we were in 2009, believed that where we were is in the apathy phase. He viewed this as basically the American people and particularly the Christian community was getting very, very lackadaisical and irresponsible. Here we are now, we're some over 10 years downstream of that. And you can see socialism has risen up just in the you know, 2017, 18 timeframe. And, and in the 2020 election, it was a major issue. It was stunning, absolutely stunning to see how much that was in. Well, socialism was a factor and <clears throat> this time revealing that we're probably getting ready to move into the dependency phase. The dependency phase is where the people no longer want the, the, the responsibility for choices they want the government to make all the choices for them, and they want to be dependent on the government, and they want the government to basically pay for everything. You can see there's conversations about uh, this involves education, fully paid education, fully paid health care, and even a minimum, pay, minimum paycheck every month for doing nothing. They want to send you something like $50,000 a month just because you exist and you don't have to do a thing for it. So a guaranteed minimum paycheck. So that's dependency on the government. And you can see what's happening is that we're going deeper and deeper in debt. 
the predicate to going back into bondage will be financial calamity. It will be, we will get deeper and deeper in the hole and we will finally have a situation where the federal government cannot solve the financial crisis. So let's just look at the buildup to this. You see, the signs of the times have a lot of economic indicators that are telling us what's going on. So for example, uh, in 2019, these are numbers relative to debt. There's individual debt, corporate debt, state and local debt, that's state and local government, and then there's federal government debt. And you can see at that time, uh, the federal government debt was around 23 trillion. You now know that as of October of 2020, it was at 27 trillion and it's climbing rapidly. So here's a curve that shows you the trends since 1929. You can see the debt, the sovereign debt of the USA is just going through the roof. And even a more revealing um, chart is this. Uh, this is the ratio of the federal debt to the GDP. So you can see that uh, since 1929, when it was, uh, that ratio was fairly low, uh, through the 30s it stayed, it ran up some in the 30s, it basically doubled. But then when the World War II came, it went soaring up. Well, recently it went soaring up as the government borrowed a bunch of money to fight the war. But after the war, they had the wisdom to pay off the debt. That was a priority, and so by the you know the, by the seventies, um, the ratio was way down, almost to the level that it was back in the in the late twenties. Not quite there, but that got much closer. But since the eighties, it's been going up, and then since the crisis in two thousand eight and nine, that was the mortgage crisis. You know, it soared above. Uh, what you see uh, the tipping point is. The tipping point here, I've got two lines that show the tipping point. Um, this is basically a range. Economists, Keynesian economists, not Christian economists, but Keynesian economists tend to think that if you have a ratio above, uh, you know, 65 to about 75 percent, in other words, the federal debt is approaching the same level as the DEP, uh, then that's probably a, a marker for concern. And you can see that actually our federal debt to GDP ratio now is almost 140%. It probably, probably is 140% now. So it's gone up dramatically. So the Keynesian economist, who we don't agree with, we would be much more conservative than, than them in this analysis. They're getting very alarmed. Well, we as Christians should be extremely alarmed. This is a very, very dangerous indicator here, signaling that we're probably on the verge of moving from the last, the eighth phase to the ninth phase of the Tipler cycle. The eighth phase is dependence, and the ninth phase is bondage. So that is very likely what's coming. The question is, how quickly is it going to come? Will we repent before it actually happens? We could repent and get very aggressive about getting rid of this debt, which would take a huge change, total rejection of socialism for that to happen, and that doesn't appear to be a likely event at this point. Now, a consequence of these things that are happening more signs of the times, is the buying power of the dollar. What's happening here? 
the opposite of buying power is the inflation rate. As the buying power goes down, that means the inflation rate goes up. It, things are getting more and more costly, inflated. So, for example, a dollar uh, in 1800 uh, could buy, you know, basically 30 times what a dollar today could buy. 30 times. Think about that. So something that would cost you a, a dollar um, in 1800 would probably cost you $30 today. So, for example, if you went to the store and bought $300 worth of groceries today, you could pay that with $10 if they were $1,800. That is dollars, the value of the dollar in 1800 So you can see the buying power is dramatically impacted. Now, a couple of reasons why this is all happening is if you begin to look at history and overlay some historical events onto this chart, you begin to see things. Number one, since 1800, atheism has been rising as a worldview dramatically. It is the fastest growing worldview over the last 200 plus years, hands down. No other worldview is even close. Atheism is growing at something like a thousand percent a year, thereabouts. Typically, Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, you know, Judaism, uh, even, you know, Chinese folk religion, all these things are growing at, a, at somewhere around the growth rate of the population. You know, so it varies a little bit, but generally in that range, atheism is astronomically higher and faster. So it is the big dominant growing worldview over the last 200 years. With atheism comes a disconnect of from Christian norms and Christian values. We've disconnected education okay, from Christianity and from the Bible. We've disconnected science. We have disconnected public policy. We have disconnected economics. That's what Keynesian economics is. And now we're disconnecting social norms. Oh, and by the way, along the way, the church has disconnected. So we have a, a liberal church. You re we really didn't have a liberal church prior to 1800. The liberal church is the church that no longer looks at the Bible as authoritative. And we now have churches, that organizations that claim to be churches, and I'm going to suggest they're not churches at all, but they still claim that, and they may be led by atheists. Now, we see that as an impossibility. Well, it is impossible in reality, but the truth is that most of these people don't have a clue what Christianity really is, but yet they call themselves churches. So we have this disconnect with biblical authority happening over the last 200 years, and that's playing into how people are thinking. And now our thought process is what's normative thinking today is we fully accept inflation as something that should be. Now, if you look at this chart carefully, you'll see that the value of the dollar in 1800 was about the same as it was in about 1916. In other words, a dollar in 1800 would buy about the same basket of goods and services that a dollar in 1916 would. In other words, even though there was fluctuation, there was almost no net change in the value of the dollar for over 100 years. But since 1916, you see, we have dropped dramatically.
And see, that we are accustomed to that. Kinsey and economists talk about we want about a 3% inflation rate. That means the buying power drops 3% every year. That's what they want. They govern to that because that has become the accepted standard because we bought in to the lie of Keynesian economics. Now, let me give you another sign of the time that I think is quite interesting. This is the war on poverty. There's been some research done regarding um, this war on poverty that began in the 1960s by President Lyndon Johnson. Uh, he declared war on poverty, he was going to eradicate poverty. Since then, uh, we've spent something like $22 trillion on the war on poverty. Interestingly, the studies that have been done suggest that the war on poverty has been a total failure. The war on poverty was intended to get people out of poverty. Well, according to the studies that roughly the percent of those in the population that are living below uh, what's considered a poverty level, it remains unchanged from the 60s. There's no real change happening here. So you could argue that the world poverty is a complete failure. And secondarily, if you had that $22 trillion that you spent on the war in poverty, and you apply that to what's rec the recognized debt, and you understand the recognized federal debt is way underestimated because it does not include the contingent liabilities. All the uh, retirement benefits and, and healthcare benefits, those kinds of things that they have not included, even though generally accepted accounting practices would stipulate that you should you should make allowance for that. The federal government does not comply with general accepted accounting pr principles when reporting its fed for its debt. So its debt is way underreported. And right now they're reporting 27 trillion. Well, what if you had 22 trillion to apply to that? Well, suddenly that you'd knock out most of that federal debt very quickly. So this shows you how sin has contributed to our poverty. And this is the reality of how sin works. Sin is inefficient, ineffective, and very costly financially. That's true in your family, your personal life. It's true in organizational life. It's true in government, in cultures, in society. Another indicator of what's going on is the workplace threats. You're, I'm sure all of you are aware that this is becoming a big, big challenge we have increasingly companies are not able to practice their convictions. The culture is saying, if you don't agree with the LBGTQ agenda and live by that, then, you know, we're going to come after you. That means the federal government is going to execute a cause of action against you if you're the employer they, the government will pay for whatever that cause of action is representing some employee or some stakeholder in your company that's been injured or claims that they have been injured or damaged. This can be a customer. It can be a shareholder. It can be an employee. It can be anyone associated with your company. And they will claim that you've damaged them. And the government will take on the burden of the cause of action against you, and you get to defend yourself, and most likely you will lose. So this is going to be a whole nother level of cost that you have to deal with in doing business, navigating the waters of this disruptive, distorted cultural agenda that's going on. 
I actually know of a man that uh, has a pretty good sized company. And since the Supreme Court made its ruling in the summer of 2020 that the 1964 Equal Rights Amendment, the definition of sex, includes um, sexual identity, not just biological sex. Even though the law, there's no sense of sexual identity in 1964 like it is today, the Supreme Court has de- redefined it. When they redefined that, then that opened the door now for the LBGTQ to claim discrimination based on the Civil Rights Act. They're not being treated with equality. And it's probably not going to be too long before the new Biden administration will enact the Equality Act, which will now legislate that there'll be no discrimination against LBGTQ people any place, any time, any context for any reason, which includes organizations that want to live by Christian principles. You will not be able to do that legally. If you do that, you will run the risk of a cause of action coming on you. Another thing that's happening is abortion. Abortion has been extremely costly. One estimate suggests that as of, you know, basically since 1970, the gross domestic product has lost something like $35 trillion. So that you can just, if you have a, a reasonable estimate of the percent of the gross GDP that goes to tax revenue, you can see there's been a lot of taxes lost. We're talking about trillions of dollars of tax revenue that's been lost. That could be applied to the debt had we had these people been uh, lived and continued a productive work life. Another thing that's happening with homosexuality because we're so sympathetic to this, thinking that, well, we want to get, everybody should be, have the power of choice to choose what they want to do sexually, notwithstanding scripture is very clear on the, the sexuality that God defined. He said, sexual relationships is forbidden except in one situation. And that is the divine covenant of marriage between a man and a woman, period. There is no other legitimate sexual relationships and homosexuality is according to Romans one. It is not the way God made the universe to work. It is a sign of judgment actually on a culture. But what we're doing is because of the humanism rising up in our culture is we're ignoring God's standards, making up our own rules. And now we're putting all this money into funding HIV research. HIV research has been going on for 40 years, and so far there is no cure. They have found some things that may help a little bit, but there is no cure. You have HIV, you're going to die. It's just a matter of when. Furthermore, you can see the homosexuals in the culture are causing lots of problems. They're not a big part of the culture, but these homosexuals have an increased early death risk over same-sex couples. It's over 30% increased risk. There's an increased risk of cancer, 50% increased risk of cancer. The suicides attributed to homosexuals are 50% higher than with heterosexuals. Homosexuals affected with STIs, there's about almost 70% have a sexually transmitted infection. Child molestations by homosexuals over heterosexuals is up over 30%. And the percent of people on death row who are lesbians is 50%. This is huge distortion because of this sin in our culture. That translates over into gender dysphoria. 
Gender dysphoria is where people are confused about their gender identity. As a result of their confusion, they have assumed that they have the right, the privilege, to redefine their gender. Notwithstanding, Scripture is clear. We don't read, we can't define the gender. No one can define their gender. And even the medical community will say there's no such, no way that a man can become a woman. No way medically. There's no way that a woman can become a man. Notwithstanding, we're spending enormous amounts of money trying to placate and trying to satisfy in some way this whole, this whole gender dysphoria that's in our culture. And these people are so committed to this, they're after the children. Those of you with children or grandchildren, or every, all of us should be thinking about the generations ahead. And the reality is these transgender people want control of the children. They do not want the parents to have any say, and they want to go to the children and explain to them they can be intergender they want. And here you're going to have five, six, seven, eight-year-old, 10, 12-year-old children making a decision that they are not prepared to make, have no clue on. Their parents should be making the decision, and this is going to lead to extreme distortion in the culture and a huge financial price tag. There's always a price to be paid when a culture supports sin. Where's all this taking us? It's taking us to humanism in control of basically everything in our life. So you could take a look at uh, various aspects of this. For example, the Tentler cycle. We're clearly, I think we're pretty clearly moving into the dependency phase of the Tentler cycle on the way to bondage. So what are the consequences? What's this going to look like? So this is an exercise for you to consider. Start looking at these trends that come from the signs of the time. I just noted a few. The Tentler cycle, mammon worship, the autonomy is the supreme value, economics being given over to Keynesian economics, and public policy being given over to humanism. You look at those signs of the time, then just look at some of these trends that come from that. For example, look at the trend under public policy. Individual freedoms will be traded for the illusion of security. What would the consequences of that? What's that going to look like? Well, hopefully you recognize that's going to be poverty. You're going to see the middle class begin to erode, and you're going to see the poverty class growing dramatically and the government controlling everything. That's where that's going to go. Our take... Uh, Think economics. The first item I listed there is sovereign debt will become unsustainable. Yes, that's what's going to happen. There will be a point in time when the federal government will not be able to service the debt. The numbers will not work. Right now, the federal government, they, they send interest payments out. They don't pay principal off. Or if they do pay it off, they turn around and reborrow it. But they don't. the net is they don't pay it off. They only pay the interest. There comes a point in time when you can't pay for military. You can't pay for the government. You can't pay the interest on the debt. You know, you can't pay all the entitlement programs. You're going to be way, way, way underwater. And nobody wants your debt anymore. You're going to see inflation go through the roof. You're going to see a financial crisis that the government cannot solve. And that will be the open door for the dictator that will be coming. At whatever point he comes. Is that 10 years, 15 years, 20, 50, 30? We don't, we don't know when that's going to come, but that I think it's pretty certain that's coming. And mammon worship there, 
the sovereign debt continues to increase uninvaded. There appears to be no appetite on the federal level and very little appetite on the state level to stop the debt binge. We're on a crazy debt binge. If you need something, you just borrow the money. But there will be a day of reckoning. There will be an end to this. And in the meantime, financial calamity continues to increase. And the risk, the financial risk, and the risk in every other way, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, all these things are at risk because the financial risk is enormous. So may we be sobered. May we recognize the truth of the signs of the time. May we really see what it is we need to see so we can prepare the way God would have us prepare so we can be his servants and we can faithfully do what he's called us to do and always remember that he knows exactly what's going on and he has a purpose in this and we've been created for such a time as this to serve him in the midst of a financial meltdown. So may we have grace to do that well, serve him well in Jesus' name. Amen.